Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Katie. And I'm Audrey. And today we are talking about Rubius Hagrid's favorite subject, care of magical creatures. <laughs> that was your That was fun my thing witty one-liner, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's his favorite subject. I mean, I think it's gotta be. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, we don't have any evidence that it was his favorite subject while he was at school, I guess, but would he have even... Oh, no, because he what, he was expelled in his third year, I think. Yeah, that feels right. So I think he, like, he was probably taking it, though. It definitely would have been what he chose. Yeah, he would have he would have started taking it. Yeah. But not gotten very far into it. Sad. When I was looking at your outline for the notes and I saw, like, you put curriculum and you were, like, third, fourth, and fifth year... And I was like, what? They definitely, like, take care of magical creatures every year. And then I was like, no, they that they don't. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's really easy to get confused about which years they take it because Hagrid, the character, is, like, so tied to care of magical creatures. And so, like, mm-hmm. Hagrid's a big role in, like, 1, 2, and 6, and 7. Mm-hmm. But, like, care of magical creatures isn't there, you know? Like, the, yeah. I feel like the only reason care of magical creatures becomes important in the books that it is is because that's, like, their main interaction with Hagrid. Yes. You know? Yeah. Even when they, like, don't have time to see Hagrid, that's when they see Hagrid. Yeah. 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 I feel like care of magical creatures is one Good of point. the classes we see most often because of that, too. Because there are mm-hmm. so many, like, important interactions they have with Hagrid while in class. Yeah, and I feel like we see so many lessons that I was like, that has to be over more than, like, three years. But yeah, no, true. True. And the characters normally play a bigger role in the plot. Like, that, the, sorry, they say the characters, the creatures we meet in yeah, the lessons, like, like normally come back being a role in the plot. Like, Thestrals. I feel like Nifflers kind of come back, like, Blast Ended Scroots. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Do you want to do the patron shout-out? Sure. The patron shout-out for this episode is Miss Anne. Thank you so much Mm. for supporting us. Yes, we appreciate you a lot. Okay. And then on to announcements. So none of our announcements are really particularly time-sensitive, but the first one is that... This is our last episode of May, which means that Pride Month is coming up, and we love to celebrate Pride at Wizard Studies. So, we don't really have anything major planned, but if you remember last year, we did a little fundraiser, and we ha- we sent out some buttons um, with Pride flags and different like Harry Potter logos on them. If you don't remember this, then you probably weren't a listener last year because we talked about it all the time. Um, So now's your chance to get your hands on some of those buttons because I still have a ton of them. So be on the lookout for more to come when Pride Month hits. So listen along for our first June episode. We'll talk about it then. And also check our social media channels. Yeah, and then another kind of announcement that is not super time-sensitive, especially because we don't have a date for this yet, so um, we cannot tell you that because we haven't picked it yet, 
But we did get an idea from a listener, Morgan, about for our next movie episode that we do, maybe doing like a live watch along on Discord. Um, And so I think that'd be a really fun idea. If you guys are interested, let us know. We'll get it set up on Discord. Um, We have not used Discord before, so it will take a little bit of like back-end research for us. So I don't want to do that if we're not going to have a couple people on there at least. So make sure to let us know if that is something you'd be interested in. Um, So it would be for Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. And that episode is set to release the first, because we'll probably do two parts again, is coming out in late June. Um, So we'd probably watch it like mid-June. We could set up like a weekend day, try and pick a time that works for the most amount of people possible. So if that is something you'd be interested in, let us know. Maybe I'll post something on our Instagram story, um, maybe the week that this episode comes out, just to gauge interest if people would be interested in it. Um, Because I think that'd be fun. We could have like a little live discussion about it while we watch it together. So everybody can be prepared for the episode. (laughs) Yeah. All right. I think that's, that's it for announcements. Yep. Okay, so first we're going to, or I'm going to talk just a little bit about Care of Magical Creatures as a subject. So on the wiki, it was like Care of Magical Creatures or like Creature Care or something like that. I was like, (laughs) it's never referred to that as that, but okay. Um, So like Audrey and I were kind of talking about earlier, it is an elective class at Hogwarts, so students can choose whether to take it or not in their third year. I feel like it is definitely one of the more popular elective classes that we see. Yeah. Um, like we don't really see into the classes that Harry isn't in obviously, but I feel like there's a good amount of both of like Gryffindor that year. Like I think Dean and Seamus both take it. I know Lavender Brown and Parvati, I think take it. Um, it seems like most people take it and most people take, um, divination Divination. yeah I'm like wondering whether that's just like because those are the classes Harry's in or whether like those are the most popular classes actually but I guess that's kind of like a unanswerable question those are the easy classes yeah that is I feel like muggle studies has to be easy though yeah but like especially if you know anything yeah or like unimportant but I guess divination kind of I don't know I would see as unimportant yeah I feel like Care of Magical Creatures is one of the more practical yeah. classes, you know, of the electives, obviously. Yeah. I know. I feel like Muggle Studies has a lot of practical use. Like, like I feel like wizard ad- wizarding adults interact with the Muggle world quite a bit. Yes. You know, like, we uh, see them when they go, like, when they go to the ministry, they, like, if you, like, live in London, because the ministry's in yeah. London, you know... Yeah, but, like, you often, you can just, like, apparate to the ministry, you know? Yeah, but I feel like we saw a good amount of people, like, use the toilets. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And to get to St. Mungo's, I think you have to, like, enter. Like, I I don't know. You could probably apparate just directly into St. Mungo's, but. Um, 
So Care Magical Creatures is a class where students learn about a wide range of magical creatures, kind of like what they eat, how to take care of them, how they function, just basics like that. And if students succeed or are passionate about the subject, they can go on to become magizoologists, which are is the profession that Newt Scamander has and Luna Lovegood supposedly goes on to have. Um, and these people, magizoologists, from what we know about them, they like work on taking care of and documenting like existing magical creatures. Like Newt Scamander wrote Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I think it's implied that like Luna goes on to like prove the existence of some of these magical it's creatures. Like she's like an explorer, like an anthropologist, yeah. like a yeah. but for creatures, not people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of I feel like a lot of these wizarding professions, it's like, how many people really need to have that job? You know, like, how many magizoologists do we really need in the world? But I'm sure it could be, like, a range, you know? Like, it's kind of just, like, being a scientist. It's like, I'm sure there are a lot of, like, ones that study a specific animal. And yeah. then I think there's also, like, I mean, what, obviously it's, like, a unique case, but when, like, the ministry called in Newt to, like talk about credence like mm. i feel like they definitely like get consulted oh yeah well they have like things. a they have a department in the ministry that is like one of arthur's friends works in it oh like magical like creature control or something like that i'm gonna look it up i can't remember his name but he's the one that like they ride the elevator with and like is the one that tells Arthur like oh there's been a change in the trial time I can't remember his name though um but some it's just called department for regulation and control of magical creatures which I think that's really interesting the like two words they choose are regulation and control like it shows that it's not like the class is care of magical creatures you know yeah well I think that they're the ones who like set out the um the definition of like beast being being and and spirit and spirit yeah and they're the ones who kind of like led the charge like with the werewolf stuff that went on like I think Dolores Umbridge like worked with them about Mm -hmm. that um hold on Um, but specifically at Hogwarts, going back to the care of magical creatures part, some known professors of that class at Hogwarts are Sylvanus Kettleburn, who retired from teaching in 1993 to enjoy more, enjoy, quote, enjoy more time with his remaining limbs, unquote. I believe that was in Dumbledore's opening speech that year at the feast. And then Hagrid took over from him, obviously, and Prisoner of Azkaban. And then Wilhelmina Grubbly-Plank would sometimes step in for Hagrid over the years, both in Goblet of Fire and Order of the Phoenix. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, in my mind, I kind of always just assumed that Grubbly-Plank, like, was the former professor who would just, like, come back. Mm. Because, like, who is this woman? (laughs) (laughs) She's a sub. Yeah, but I feel like... 
Maybe she's not generally like, subs. She's just like a magizoologist magi- that lives in Hogsmeade. And That's Dumbledore like retired. Like has her number, you know. <laughs> I guess. Okay. Well, my section is on care of magical creatures at Hogwarts, which has some of the information that Katie just talked about. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I did my notes first. That is true, that is true. Well, I did the section, so I also should have known that you were going to talk about some of that stuff. I feel like, because I always get that entry section where it's, like, the basics about the subject yeah. and, like, pass more than, like, the one-sentence description on wiki, the wiki. I'm always like, and yeah. Except for, like, Transfiguration, there was, like, all the different, like, subsets. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Just because Transfiguration was unnecessarily complicated. <laughs> All right, so, um, yeah, as Katie said, at Hogwarts is an elective course. And just for reference, the other elective courses that I assume are all of them, they're the ones we know about, are Arithmancy, Muggle Studies, Ancient Runes, and Divination. And Hermione takes all of them. Which ones does she drop? Divination she, and Muggle Studies, right? And so yes. then she takes the three... Arithmancy, yeah. ancient runes, and care of magical creatures. But then they drop care of magical creatures in Half Blood. Yeah. Yeah. Which did they they didn't even talk about that in the movie, did they? No. They didn't even reference it? I don't know that we mentioned that in our comparison, but I don't, I don't think, think that they we did. About it in the movie. I don't think they did either. Because, like, Hagrid's mad at them for a really long time and I don't Yeah, like Hagrid ignores them. Like he they try and like talk to him in them. Like, Great Hall a couple times, and he's like, nah, bitch. Yeah. Um, so, then the OWL in their fifth year, it includes a written and practical portion, like most of the subjects do. And the practical for Harry's year, they actually had to do a lot of stuff, which I feel like, like, the practical for potions was just, like, make this one potion, and, like, I don't know. So, the practical for care of magical creatures... Um, they had to ad- identify a gnarl hidden among a dozen hedgehogs, which I'll talk a little bit more about their difference later. Um, but I guess the trick was to offer each creature some milk, and hedgehogs are lactose intolerant, and milk is thus poisonous to them. So the gnarl, being more intelligent, may have actually been aware of this fact and denied, like, refused the milk. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> um, they had to demonstrate correct handling of a boat truckle. I don't know what correct handling of bow truckle is, but News Commander does. <laughs> yeah, um, hell yeah, he does. <laughs> they had to feed and clean out a fire crab without sustaining serious burns. I love that. Which, like, you can get minor yeah. burns, but you can't get third degree burns. <laughs> yeah. Or you're fail and, and be very injured. <laughs> yeah, like, on top of getting the burns, you also fail. Yeah. Um, and then they had to choose from a wide selection of food the diet they would give to a sick unicorn. So, that's like, I don't know, sounds like kind of tough. The The idea that one of the practical questions is like, choose from a wide selection of food the diet that they, you would that you would give a sick unicorn, like, that could just be a written question. Like, you yeah. don't actually need the food in unless, front of you like, to do that. Unless they had the unicorn in front of them, and it was like, you have to you have to look at the unicorn's yeah. specific symptoms. I don't know. True. 
Speaking um, of test questions, this is way off topic, but did you see that there was an AP GoPo test question about Taylor Swift? No. <laughs> there was a question. It was, like, referencing her tweet in 2018, like, about, like, the first political tweet that she made, like, mm. encouraging young people to register to vote. And it was, like, how, what do you think about this push, like, on social media and, like, by celebrities to, like, encourage younger people to like register to vote and like the procedures on voting like what um like what effect do you think that had on like the election or something like that thought that was so cool I was like if I took the AP GoPro test I did (laughs) but if I took it this year and there was a Taylor Swift question I would freak out yeah that's awesome (laughs) wow AP exams have changed they're woke (laughs) (laughs) okay so speaking of exams um, it's unclear who in Harry's year continues on to the NEWT level. I think Harry, Ron, and Hermione all get high enough. They all pass. They all get high enough grades to continue, but a bunch of them drop. The trio all drops it. It kind of is insinuated that, like, none of the Gryffindors carry on with Care of Magical Creatures. Like, Pavardi and Lavender definitely didn't. Um... I feel like the only one who, like, maybe did would be, like, Neville. I feel like Dean and Seamus would be, like, nah, I'm out. Yeah. So, I don't know. I bet some of the Hufflepuffs carried on. Well, I feel like it's kind of like we were talking about earlier. I feel like it's one of those subjects that, like, if I'm not going to become a magizoologist, like, what, like, what purpose does this serve me? Like I especially beyond like a basic knowledge, you know, yeah. Like they got the basic knowledge. Yeah, it's kind of like carrying on with potions. Like if you have no intention of that, like being needed for your profession, you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um. So yeah, Katie talked about the known professors. I'll talk a little bit more about Kettleburn in a second. Um. But we also know the textbooks. The two textbooks we know of being required are the Monster Book of Monsters by Eduardus Lima. Which... Oh, I bet you that's a lot like came from Mina Lima. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I don't know if that's his first name, but like Lima's his last name. Yeah. Or her last name. I don't know which last name is assigned to yeah. which one. I don't know. That's Was that a name in the book? I don't know if it was in the book. Oh, yes. The source on that is Harry Potter page to screen the complete filmmaking journey. So it must not have been so mentioned. it's just in the movie. And it was just like on the prop and that's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we have to be on the lookout for Mina then because Mina has to be somewhere. And yeah, if Lima's in there. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Wonder what is what is that per, which what is Lima's first name? Oh yeah, wait. Lima's first name is Eduardo. This oh, character okay. was named after Eduardo Lima, a graphic artist who has worked on every Harry Potter film since Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, I didn't realize that that was their first one. Oh, so Mina, Na- Mina put Lima's name. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, Mirafora Mina was the one yeah. who put. Who designed the Monster Book of Monsters for the movie. And she put his name on as the... Or adapted his name for the author. Nice. Good catch, Katie. Yeah, you're welcome. I was just like, Lima, Peru. <laughs> <laughs> Lima. <laughs> um, 
And then the other textbook we know of is, of course, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them by Mr. Newton's Commander. Newton? Is that his first name? Yeah, I think it's Newton. <laughs> um, classrooms include Hagrid's Cabin, the Hogwarts Grounds, and the Forbidden Forest. They have that little, like, clearing in the Forbidden Forest. That they I think there's also, to. like, a paddock somewhere that they refer yes, to. where the hippogriffs. Yeah. Are. Yeah. Um, okay, so now a little bit on Kettleburn. So this comes from, like, one of those ebooks that got released about, like, heroic stories from Hogwarts or whatever. Mm. I don't know the actual name of it, and sorry, I don't really care to <laughs> say the correct name. Um, but there is a little, like, fact file and write-up on Kettleburn. So, as Katie mentioned, he was the professor before Hagrid. Um, we don't know when he started, but he was there for a number of years, presumably. His birthday is November 22nd. So I would guess like, I don't know, probably in the early 1900s, if you retired in 93 and like you consider like wizards live a lot longer. So he yeah. might not have retired till he was like 80 or 90. I'm also fairly confident that in that extra thing on Tales of Beetle the Bard, when they talk about, like, the adaptation that they tried mm. at Hogwarts of Fountain yeah. Fair Fortune, like, I'm pretty sure he was a part of that. He was. Because he was the one who, like, wanted, like, yeah. a real something or other. He used Enchanted and Ashwinder to play the worm in the Fountain mm. of Fair Fortune. And Ashwinder's, like, when a they, snake. like, lay eggs of fire or whatever. And yeah, I don't know. The Great Hall caught Do we have a date for that? Because that could give us... Um, I know where my tails of the book is. You look that up. I'll keep going about Kettleburn. Um, So his wand is chestnut and phoenix feather. 11 and a half inches and withy. I'm going to look up chestnut wand wood. I forgot to do this. I liked how it was phoenix feather. um, Because I feel like that one is like with a creature gives it willingly which i think is kind of cool for a care of magical creatures like the, the phoenix feather wand core is very like respect from the phoenix to the person i don't know so i thought that was cool and then chestnut wand wood it says this is a most curious multifaceted wood which varies greatly in its character depending on the wand core and takes a great deal of color from the personality that possesses it the wand of chestnut is attracted to witchers, witches and wizards who are skilled tamers of magical beasts, those who possess great gifts in herbology, and those who are natural flyers. However, when paired with dragon heartstring, it may find its best match among those who are overfond of luxury and material things, and less scrupulous than they should be about how they are obtained. Conversely, three successive heads of the Wizengamot have possessed chestnut and unicorn wands. For this combination shows a particular predilection predilection for those concerned with all manner of justice so that's interesting it doesn't say anything about when it's paired with phoenix feather mm. it says unicorn and dragon heartstring but um obviously the nod to being good with creatures pretty i mean we can assume he was good with creatures. And then another character who had chestnut wand was Peter Pettigrew, which hmm. does not make a lot of sense, but it's on our wand chart, so. 
Um, there's not a year associated with this story. Mm-hmm. But okay. it was, well, Dippet was headmaster. So, okay, so. I don't know so when like Dippet started. Back. Yeah. Yeah, but he, like. Because Dumbledore had been headmaster for, like, a six, like I feel like once Tom Riddle, because when Tom yeah, Riddle came back like, to ask for the position yeah. not many years after he graduated, like, per, Dumbledore was headmaster. Yeah. So, like, Dumbledore was headmaster for, like, almost 50 years. Yeah, so it had to have been. And it talked about, like, the relationship between Kettleburn and Dippet, so it seemed like mm-hmm. there was a, like, they were together for a significant period of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, Kettleborn, Kettleburn's house is Hufflepuff, which Woo-hoo. I feel like makes sense with, like, I don't know, like, we associate herbology with Hufflepuff, and I feel like kind of like care of magical creatures is kind of a Hufflepuff thing. Yeah. Um, abilities include an encyclopedic knowledge of magical creatures and fearlessness. Uh, his parentage was that he had a magical father and a magical mother. His family, no wife and no kids. Doesn't say anything about a husband. So, like, maybe he had a husband. Maybe. <laughs> he seemed like the kind of guy that just, like, only cared about work, though, you know? Yeah. Like, I could see yeah. him just being the kind of guy that, like, retires alone and when he's, like, half dead, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and then his hobbies. Uh, it says dangerous creatures are his work and his hobby. So, yeah, then there's, like, a little write-up after the fact file talks about how he's always getting injured um and also sometimes students were getting injured in his class and he had a record 62 periods of probation so like he had to have some time to rack those up you know yeah (laughs) well that's mentioned in that came from tales of beetle the bard because there's a footnote in here when it talks about kettleburn and dippets um Oh, yeah. Relationship, like it says, Professor Kettleburn survived no fewer than 62 periods of probation during his employment. His relations with my predecessor at Hogwarts, Professor Dippet, were always strained. Professor Dippet considered him to be somewhat reckless. By the time I became headmaster, however, Kettleburn had mellowed considerably. Okay. Interesting. So maybe the majority of his 62 periods of probation happened before Dumbledore took over, and then he was there for, like... 40 years of Dumbledore's. Wow. So, like, I think he... Kettleborn was around for a while. Yeah. Well, also, we haven't mentioned that he's, like, obviously, because this is in between the time period we've been talking about, but he is in Hogwarts Mystery. He's the care yes. magical creatures teacher there then. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, he finished his career with one arm and half a leg left. And then upon his retirement, Dumbledore gave him a full set of wooden limbs. Just, like, in it, case he lost the rest of his limbs. Um, well, I think, like, for the for the remainder. Oh, oh, I see, I see. Um, but I, it said something about, like, the wooden limbs needed replace, replacing um, frequently because he, like, liked to go visit a dragon sanctuary so they would get, like, burned by the yeah, dragon Yeah, maybe fire. wood wasn't the best yeah. material choice. Yeah. Not Dumbledore shining moment. <laughs> and then, yeah, he retired to Hogsmeade. Um, and he really wanted to help in the Battle of Hogwarts. But he 
was very injured. Um, he also has so, to be hella old at this point. Yeah, so, due to his great physical um, injuries, he his way of contributing was that he went to his attic and he threw his entire stock of flobber worms out of the skylight at passing Death Eaters. Um, and it says something about, like, it's unclear how effective this was, but yeah. it it accurately, like, represented the spirit of the battle or whatever. <laughs> so. That's funny. I, it like, makes me think of... Um, Trelawney throwing crystal balls. balls. Well, because it's it's brought up at some point because like Crab claims to Rita Skeeter that he like got a bad bite off of flobber worm, and Harry or Ron is like flobber worm don't even have teeth. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how much damage flobber worms could do, but I guess if they're big and you like throw them on top of somebody, could do some yeah. damage. And, like, his entire stock, like, did he throw all of them at, like, two Death Eaters? So, yeah. like, then if it's, like, a thousand flobberworms falling down on you, <laughs> it's going to impede you for a little bit. Yeah. But was he just, like, he threw, like, two at each Death Eater that walked Maybe by? Maybe they like, were, like, on brooms, and he was just, like, trying to <laughs> knock them off the brooms. <laughs> uh, Interesting. Many ways we could see his strategy behind that, I guess. Um... <laughs> So I'm going to talk just a little bit about some of the like um, most notable creatures that we learn about throughout some lessons. Um, so the first, these are just the ones that like through my memory without looking at Audrey's like curriculum notes that I know that we mm. learned about and that were like semi-important somehow. Mm. So the first one I have on this list is Nifflers. So they have a long snout and black fluffy fur and they're normally depicted as looking very like platypus-like. Um, or like, I, like that's what they look like in Fantastic Beasts in the movie. They have kind of a long bill, mm-hmm. um, and they're extremely attracted to and adept at finding shiny things, which makes them extremely helpful in hunting for treasure. And they're used by Gringotts to help find buried treasure. We see them, I think, in a lesson in fourth year because it's brought up like it becomes a plot point with like the leprechaun gold that Ron gave Harry, um, that disappeared later at the, from the Quidditch world cup to like pay him back for the omnioculars. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, Oh, I didn't even notice that what you gave me was gone. And Ron was like, how do you forget about, like, how do you not notice <laughs> that you lost that much money? And then they come back. Like, the Nifflers dig tunnels for so- for something. Do you remember that? There's, like, a scene in Goblet of Fire, I think, where, like, Harry and Ron are watching, like, the Niffler, like, Hagrid with the Nifflers, like, digging tunnels. No. I don't remember that. Oh, this was before, this was before the lesson. Okay, never mind. My recollection came back. Before the lesson, they see him, like, down, and there's, like, something's going on. And then at the lesson, they, like, Hagrid had dug buried treasure for the Nifflers mm. to find. Um, mm. But then they come back in Order of the Phoenix because Dean Thomas kept on, like, levitating them into Umbridge's office. Mm. And Umbridge thought it was haggard the whole time, and it was a big thing. Oh, no, it wasn't Dean. It was Lee. Lee, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one I have is Bow Truckles, and they're not, like, a big part of the Harry Potter series, but they're, like... 
fairly popular in the Fantastic Beast series mm-hmm. with Pickett. I couldn't think of his name for a second. Um, mm-hmm. So they're a small green animal the size of a hand that lives in trees, and it looks like it could pass as a stick, which they're portrayed as being green in the movie, but mm. I always thought they were, like, brown because they, like... Because it's a stick. Yeah, they also, like, like hide in the, like, bark of the trees. Mm-hmm. Um and this makes them very very difficult to spot and catch. They're found in Western England, Germany, and Scandinavia. And they're normally found in wan quality wood trees. And they are like they act as like the protector of the tree that it lives in. So they're kind of like a Lorax in that way. They speak for the trees, except they don't speak. Um, and they're generally pretty peaceful. Um, but if their life or the life of the tree is threatened, it said that it would like gouge a person's eye out. So they're very Hufflepuff esque. <laughs> yeah. All bow turkles are Hufflepuffs. Yeah. That's why they get along so well with Newt. <laughs> um, so another lesson that we see that is fairly important is unicorns, as well as unicorns being important in the first book. Um, so the foals are gold and they turn silver with age and the horn starts to grow around the age of four. They're found in the forests of Europe, including the forbidden forest at Hogwarts. Their tail, um, hair can be used in the making of wands and is a favorite of Ollivander, as we know. Um, unicorns do prefer women and become skittish among men, which we learned when Grubbly Plank is giving a lesson on unicorns in Goblet mm-hmm. of Fire. Like, the boys have to stay back. And we also know that their blood is, like, incredibly powerful and valuable, but it is an unspeakable thing to kill a unicorn. And so, generally, people don't do it because it, they like, I, what did Frenzy say? Like, you live a cursed life, a half-life yeah. if you slay a unicorn. Yeah. Or is that if you drink the blood? Probably both. It might, yeah, it might be both. But we know that its blood is, like silvery and fancy mm-hmm. looking um we like like i said it was a, a plot point in the first movie or in the first book because voldemort kills one to stay alive before he gets his new body mm-hmm. and goblet fire um the next animal i have is a thestral so they're winged horses that have skeletal bodies and their wings are like leathery and they're um called bat like they're extremely smart and good at directions <laughs> i think like haggard brings this up and then they use this later when they use them to go to london they're like harry just is like london <laughs> and the thestrals are like sounds good and they just fly them to london um they're native to england and ireland but they are perceived as bad luck because of the superstitions surrounding them because you can only see thestrals if you've seen death. And this, I guess, is in quotes because this is something that is debated, mm-hmm. like what this means in practice, because Harry doesn't see them after he sees his mother die, which I guess like the explanation for that is that he was like too young and didn't remember it or didn't pro- like wasn't able to process it in the moment. Mm-hmm. And the next time he should have seen them is after... Because they take the carriages on the way to this, like, Hogsmeade station at the end of fourth year after he saw Cedric die. And the explanation for that is a lot more flimsy, in my opinion. It's that, like, he hadn't processed Cedric's death. It's a plot hole. Yeah, it is a plot hole. Um, 
I mean, it's not really a plot hole because it's not like crucial to the plot. But like, yeah, it's, it's definitely hole. like that is a very like BS. Like there are many times where the author says something to like cover up a perceived like plot hole. That is like, very much like just admit to us that you forgot. Like, okay, I could see that, and like maybe that's a valid thing, but like it doesn't sound like that's what you had in mind at the time. You know? Yeah. Like it's almost a. It's an okay patch up to this hole, but the fact that like she patches is up kind of like after the fact, mm-hmm. it's like okay. <laughs> it's not a very satisfactory patch up in my opinion. No. Um and I so the only people that Harry knows like in his class in his year that can see them are him, Neville, and I feel like there's another character. Like, maybe, like, an unnamed Slytherin or something like that. Like, obviously, Luna can yeah. see them, but there's, like, I feel like there's another person in the class that can see them. Because I yeah. think Harry mentions, like, somebody can, like, follow it with their eyes, maybe. Hang on, I'll do some digging. Okay. Lastly, I have the blast ended scroops. So they're a hybrid beast between a manticore and fire crab that Hagrid illegally created and breeded um, in the goblet of, in the fourth in Harry's fourth year goblet of fire. So this is a quote from the wiki: "Newly hatched scroops look like pale, slimy, deformed, shellless lobsters or scorpions. They had legs sticking out at odd angles. They were about six inches long and smelled strongly of rotten fish." Sparks flew out of their rear end every so often, which propelled them forward a few inches. The males had stingers and the females had suckers on their body to suck blood. And after a couple of months, they had already grown to be about 10 feet. And at that point, Hagrid declared them, like, too dangerous. And there weren't many left because they had, like, killed off each other. There are, like, many scrut lessons that we either witness or we hear about because people normally come away with injuries. And at this point, they also, like, there's lots of discussions between Harry and the trio and Hagrid. So we have quite a few care of magical creatures lessons that we see in Goblet of Fire. And they also come back and are a part of the maze in the third task. You are correct. Um, it was Theodore Knott. And he was one of only three students who could see Thestrals in the fifth year Care of Magical Creatures lesson. And he said that they were distasteful looking. So he did acknowledge that he could see them. Nice. He's a... His family are Death Eaters. I believe the Knots. Yes. But yeah, those are all the creatures... I thought I would talk about. Um, you can also see many of those creatures on Hagrid's Magical Motorbike Adventure. I think that's what its full name is. At Universal. Wouldn't know. The most exciting one for me was the Scrooge, just because that's not one that we got to see on film. So, like, seeing the... Um, the representation of those was very cool. How do you feel about the representation of it? Like the the image that they chose? Yeah. I thought it was fairly good. Um, they weren't 10 feet. I can tell you that. I don't think they were anyways. I feel like 10 feet is like significantly large. Um, 
I think they look really good. They do look like they have more color than I imagine them being, but I think that's mm. just because when they're born, they're, like, pale and slimy. But I don't think they mm. stay pale and slimy, but I don't know if we get another, like, good description of what they look like. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely see in them, like, the fire crab and the manticore. Yeah. Like, I feel like they went back to yeah. those two more than they went back to, like, descriptions of what mm-hmm. they look like. So I thought that was that was good. Yeah, I think, I don't know what I had been picturing in my head. I think I, like, hadn't pictured, I know that they, like, they have legs and they're supposed to have legs. But I think I had been picturing them as not having legs. Like worms. Then, yeah. Yeah. But I think I had been, like, merging them with, like, flobber worms. Yeah. But, like albor worms are obviously very different and yeah. so i don't know when i saw it i was just like huh that's weird and then i like thought about it and i was like oh that seems like a good rendition but it just like you know when you have a mental picture yeah in a book and it just doesn't match even if like your mental picture is wrong yeah i also just like i don't think i have a very like visual mind when i read books because i feel like i don't have pictures of a lot of things while mm-hmm. i read um and so I don't know if I even had anything in mind, but like, it's like when I, if I see an adaptation, I'm like, oh no, that is not right. Like, even mm. if I wasn't really picturing anything, I'm like, that's not what I would have pictured. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I this agree. isn't one of those. Like, I wasn't like, oh no, that does not look right at all. You know, I think it looked pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to curriculum. So from third, fourth and fifth year, and just, like, all the lessons that we see them having or, like, they mention. Um, so in third year, we have hippographs are, of course, the first class. Um, and this is, like, a big one to start with and maybe a little ambitious for Hagrid. Um, and then he calms it down after the first incident with Malfoy. And also, it was ambitious for Hagrid, but not like he did anything wrong. Like, he didn't. It was ambitious for him to, like assume that those children were mature enough to deal with hippogriffs. They clearly weren't. Um, So then he calms it down, and the other two creatures we hear about in third year are flopperworms, which we talked about about with kettleworm, and salamanders, which apparently Fred and George learned this in their fourth year. I don't know the source on this. It must be, like, in passing in a book or something. Um... With they learn it with Cattleburn in their fourth year, so the curriculum is like a bit inconsistent, and I feel like it's kind of just like whatever animals are around, whatever creatures they've got around, and like you know, you just have to get everything in for the OWL in the three years leading up to it. Yeah, um, but magical salamanders are all actually really cool um, because they're like fire dwelling and they feed on the flames and they're born from the flames. And they live only as long as the flames that birth them continue to burn. Oh, so wow. it's like, I mean, that they probably like frequently have pretty short lives, you yeah. know, like a couple hours. I wonder if it has um, to be like a special fire, like not just any fire can burn yeah. a salamander. Well, and so like the type of fire, I don't really know what that means, but like the type of fire determines like the color of the salamander. I think they can mm. come like red and blue, maybe. Um... So, yeah, it's, uh, I th- I'm sure it probably has to be, like, a magical fire. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was really cool. And then, of course, we know from potions that salamander blood has curing properties. So, it's used um, 
as like a regenerative agent in a lot of potions. I wonder if salamanders being connected to fire is like a popular thing within like folklore and myth because in Frozen 2, like oh. the elemental creature to like represent fire was a salamander. That creature is so cute. Bruni, I believe his name is. He's so cute. Um, so I wonder if that's like a thing in like mythology or like lore, yeah. you know, that like salamanders are connected to fire. I would buy it. I feel like. For them to be, like, both, I feel like it's a little bit too much of a coincidence, you know? Mm-hmm. But the salamander blood having, like, regenerative properties is very interesting because, like, salamanders can regrow limbs. So, I like that. Oh. Fire salamanders are a thing. Huh. And then salamanders in folklore. Um... In folklore, I think they, like, live in... The legendary salamander is often depicted as a typical salamander uh, in shape, but is usually ascribed an affinity with fire, sometimes specifically elemental fire. There you go. Katie, you're on a roll today. (laughs) Just bringing in that adjacent information. (laughs) Um, Okay, so fourth year, um, Katie covered the three, like, lessons that they have. Uh, blast and its roots, which is obviously like throughout um, the school year. Unicorns, um, which is the lesson with Grubbly Plank. And then Nifflers. Um, and this is one like they walk away from the lesson. They're like, Hackard actually like put together a fun lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then fifth year, um, they cover bow truckles with Professor Grubbly Plank. And I think they have to like. They just kind of, like, each take a bow truckle and are just, like, sitting around with it. And I think they have to, like, draw it. Yeah. Mark. Um, Thestrals, of course, which is the lesson that Umbridge observed. Um, we already kind of talked about. Gnarls, which I think these last three are... It's just presumed that they covered in fifth year because they're on the OWL. Mm-hmm. So, gnarls um, look like hedgehogs and... Another difference, I mentioned earlier the, like, thing about milk and being lactose intolerant, um, but another diff- key difference between the two is that when you leave food out for a hedgehog, it, like, takes it like most animals would, but gnarls see it as, a, as a, an attempt to lure into a trap, and so they savage the garden of the householder who left the food. Dang. So they're kind of, like, a pest. <laughs> yeah. Um... Krups are adorable creatures. They're wizard-bred dogs that look like a Jack Russell Terrier, but they have a forked tail. Um, and they're extremely loyal to wizards, but ferocious to muggles. So that's kind of how, why people speculate that they're wizard-bred. And then, <laughs> I think they're also from, like, southern England or something. And... Apparently, the popular singer Celestina Warbeck was a, a known breeder of rough-coated crops. You love that. I, I feel like I can just imagine her like having a mansion and like the the crops all like follow her around. Yeah, like, like I'm sure she like has one in a purse at all times. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, you can get a crop as a pet on what's that game? Hogwarts, Hogwarts Mystery. Mystery. Yeah, that was one thing that motivated me to play for a little bit because I <laughs> wanted to buy my crop. 
And then Porlocks are these small little hooved beasts. Um, and they guard horses. So they live like in the countryside and guard wild horses. I don't know what they guard the horses from. But. Yeah. Yeah. So that's most of what they learn. I'm sure they learn some other things. Because that's like 12, anim- 12 creatures. But. Yeah. Um, that's the bulk of it. Um, so speaking of curriculum, we're going to transition into talking about whether Hagrid was a good teacher and just like him as a teacher in general. So I don't have a lot of notes on this, um, just because I have like a fairly well-formed opinion about it already. You know, like I'm not coming in, like trying to decide my opinion. Like I think I already came in kind of like knowing what I think about it. Um, so I see Hagrid as like a very enthusiastic teacher, um, but I don't think he's like maybe the best teacher you know like he has the passion for the subject and he cared for the students which I think are two like fairly common like recipe ingredients to making a good teacher but I think he was fairly poor at like the practical side of being a teacher like the lesson planning I don't think he was great at communicating with the students I mean like being able to like get the students on his side I think he was fairly poor out like obviously it was kind of like a losing battle for him anyways like with the Slytherins and with Malfoy um but yeah I think some of the more practical parts of being a teacher he wasn't super well equipped for okay the like having passion for the subject and caring about the students I think are like having those things doesn't make you a good teacher but like you need to have them to be a good teacher yeah so I have a hot take and that is that if you combine Hagrid mm. and Snape, if you take the best parts of both of be them, the they would be teacher. like a really good teacher. Because yeah. Snape, like, he doesn't really care about potions. He obviously hates his students. But he's super knowledgeable about potions. And he, like, knows how to teach better than what's in the book. Um, and just, like, he has all the knowledge and, like... I think he's better at, like, setting homework as well, you know, like... he can set homework, he can set assignments. Granted, he's, like, evil about these assignments, (laughs) but, like, they do learn to the extent that they can learn in a toxic environment. Yeah, I also think Snape brings a little bit of that, like, like, Hagrid wasn't respected, and maybe not that Snape was respected, but, like, students still, like feared him enough to do the work and to like take his class seriously but it's kind of like the opposite because obviously like the Slytherins were treated great in potions and they like revered Snape and the Gryffindors hated Snape but like at for Care of Magical Creatures and for Hagrid it was like the opposite like the Gryffindors tried to back Hagrid the Slytherins tried to like tear him down um but yeah And then, so, like, after he starts teaching after Grubbly Plank in Goblet of Fire, he starts to use kind of just, like, continuing her lesson plan with the unicorns. And, like, Hermione makes a comment that, like, like, Hagrid is such a, like, that was such a great lesson, you know? Like, he Mm -hmm. just needs to follow Grubbly Plank's, like, lesson plan, you know? I think that was kind of lesson planning, I think, was, like, a really big hurdle for him. And I think at one point Hermione even tries to, like, sit down with him and, like, lesson plan with him at one point. Um, 
And we see him like earlier that year trying to teach students about a dangerous and illegally bred animal, which I think really like sums Hagrid up as a teacher because <laughs> he was super enthusiastic and just like assumed that the students would also be enthusiastic yeah. about it because he was so excited. Um, and like he had great knowledge on the subject. He was able to illegally breed these animals. But I think that like, that was such a bad idea on so many reasons. Like, number one, it was, like, dangerous for the students. And number two, like, they were illegally bred, and now he's just, like, showing them off to all these people. It's like, Hagrid, come mm-hmm. on. Um, that have already tried to get him fired. Yeah, and it's also just, like, on top of that, it's not a practical lesson because there are no other blast-ended scroots in the world. They won't be on the <laughs> OWL. Like, why... Do you, like, there's no purpose for the students to know about these creatures, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, like, even Harry, Ron, and Hermione knew that he wasn't the best teacher, but, like, even though they did care about him immensely and tried their best to see the bright side of things when it, come, when it came to his teaching, but, like, even they were able to be like, okay, like, Hagrid's not the best teacher, and they, like, it makes it, I think it puts a lot of pressure on them because they take on the role of almost, like... Like, there are multiple times throughout the series, Harry talks about, like, how he has to get involved to, like, Mm -hmm. encourage the rest of the class to get involved, you know? Mm -hmm. So, it just, like, this really added pressure on them to try and, like, defend him at all times, almost, to these other students. Um, But, yeah, so I don't think that Hagrid was the best teacher. (laughs) I think there are definitely some things he could improve upon. But, like, there were some good lessons in there. You know, like, the Niffler lesson everybody really enjoyed. Like, the unicorn lessons he continued after Grubbly Plank left, I think, were fairly successful. And I do think the Thestral lesson, if Umbridge wasn't there, could have also been a fairly successful lesson. Um, And then I think the Hippogriffs could also, like, in theory, be a really successful lesson. I don't know if he went about it the right way, like, jumping right in and jumping right in on the first day. Maybe that should have been, like, a fourth or fifth year class. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think, like, he has good ideas. He just, he needs, like, Grubbly Plank's lesson planning, and then he can just teach it. (laughs) Yeah, I think, like, he has the potential to be a really good teacher because... Like, we were saying, like, he has the things that you can't learn. You know, like, he has the passion and the caring for the kids. And he's super knowledgeable. That's something you can learn. Obviously, it's knowledge. But, like, he has those, like, special qualities that you need to be a good teacher. So, like, I think if he, like, became just a bit more practical, um, he could be a very good teacher. But he's so impractical. And I don't mean to hate on Hagrid. Love him. Great guy. But he's not a good teacher. (laughs) Yeah. And as we were talking about this and earlier on in the episode, I was kind of thinking about the impact that it probably had on him to not, to like be expelled from school in his third year. You know, like he didn't have as many lessons, like as many interactions with teachers that he probably should have had at that point. So I wonder if that had any effect on like his teaching ability as well. You know, like not having that many like role models to like model Mm. his teaching after um or a lot of like experience in classroom settings even yeah i agree but yeah so that was kind of my thoughts on hagrid as a professor and yeah i don't want this to come off as like us hating on hagrid at all because i think we both love him as a character um 
I think that I probably come off as like hate, like a haggard hater quite a bit because I talk about like how he's, I talk about fairly often how he's not like the best father figure for Harry, like him and Sirius both. Um, But that doesn't mean I like him as a character. I think he's like, I think he's a great character. Yeah. Yeah. We can't all be the best. No. (laughs) Tales of giant monsters are as old as tales themselves. What makes those stories fit into the kaiju genre, and just how scary can they be? Larry and Justin are pursuing this very knowledge on the Here's Johnny podcast, a horror show that arrives every week, just like your favorite radio drama, but instantly through forbidden sciences known as Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. There are a ton of kaiju out there to learn about. Just listen to your local emergency officials and stay out of their paths. Wait, say that again? Uh, Sorry, folks, I'm... Getting a message from our staff. Uh, folks, we're getting reports that a massive creature has just risen off the coast of this station and is heading this way. Please follow evacuation protocol and... Listen to the Here's Johnny podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Okay, so our pop quiz this episode was sent in by a listener, Cadence, in an email that she sent us. Um, That was very sweet. We appreciated that email so much. Um, So thank you for sending that in. Um, But the question is, if you were an animagus, what animal would you want to be? Like, if you got to pick, in theory. Like, obviously, we know that you don't get to pick. (laughs) um but if you got if you had to pick but also like kind of be realistic with it you know like maybe come up with like um like it fits me because you know Mm. okay so on the facebook group we actually remembered to post and (laughs) linda said otter all they do is play all day Morgan said a fly would be cool because I'd probably use my powers to spy on people like Rita or a bird or a squirrel. Something common that people wouldn't find suspicious if it was hanging around. Leia said a nice stoic cat like McGonagall to sit and judge people. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Just like the way she phrased that comment. I was like, that was pretty funny. And then Justine said definitely a cat, preferably ginger. Well, so, so I'm going to read Cadence's answer, sorry, because she put it in oh, the email. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I pulled that up really quickly. So she said, I would choose a hawk for the benefits of being able to fly and easily hide in trees and other places. I, In parentheses, I also decided that if I were a marauder, my, animated, bleh, 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 my animagus nickname would be Beaky. <laughs> so I thought that was cute. <laughs> um, so... I don't know I like my Patronus is a dog I feel like I would enjoy being a dog animagus because I always kind of like just want to be a dog for a day like I look at my dog and I'm like that seems that's the life (laughs) um but then and I think it has the added I don't know it's like not super like obviously whenever a dog walks by like I see it but it's not like super unusual so you can like go in places you know like you can walk around civilization like if you're a elephant you can't do that yeah um but then I was like shit like if I'm a dog and people don't know that I'm like in my animagus form like are people just gonna like come up and pet me and like I feel like I would not like that. Yeah, or, or like what if you just got like taken like, and adopted you mind and like want that? Like mm. I don't know. Yeah, would someone just yeah, just like pick me think I was a stray? Like yeah. 
and then the so then my other option would be like a type of bird not because I like I don't like birds but I think like being able to fly would be super dope um so like a cool bird like a hawk or something like that okay so my answer has always been and probably will always be a hedgehog like I know we've talked about them a lot this episode but I love hedgehogs so much and I think I really relate to them on a personal level like the little that I know about their like personalities like they're generally pretty like sassy creatures like they're not like dogs that like they always want to be around people you know like if they don't want somebody to touch them then they'll let like they'll let you know you know and I really appreciate that about them um because I'm not the biggest fan of like being touched in general Mm -hmm. um and just kind of they're like not like that they're temperamental but they're just like they're they're like fairly sassy so I really appreciate that they're also like nocturnal and not that I'm a nocturnal person but I really like that they like to sleep yeah I'm not a morning person um even though for the past month I've been waking up like freaking 4 a.m um but yeah, so I have always said that my Patronus would be a hedgehog, and I think there are some, like, added benefits. Like, it's a fairly, it's, like, not a super common creature, but it's not, like, a thestral, like, walking around, yeah. you know, or, like, a dolphin where you'd be confined to the ocean. Like, there's yeah. very little practical purpose for that. Like, and they're small enough that you could, like, move around unnoticed, I think, fairly easily. You know, like, they yeah. have that, like, rat like Peter Pettigrew's like small yeah, yeah um stature that like benefited him as a rat I think would also extend to a hedgehog yeah but my Patronus is also a dog so yeah in theory that's what my animagus would be yeah maybe all right well I think that's a good answer thank you um okay you can find our podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts, um, and our episodes are released every other Tuesday, so keep a lookout for those. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow, and whatever on, on the different apps that you use, and um, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a reading and a review. Yeah, and then you can find us on social media. We are Wizard Size Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can join our Facebook group at Wizard Size Podcast Group. You can follow us on Twitter at Wizard Studies. Um, we have been fairly slacking on the social <laughs> media front, so I do want to apologize to anybody who cares about that. Um, we both have been, like, really busy the past month. Um, so I will try my best to, like, get back on there and have a little bit better interaction and more posts over the next couple months through the summer. That's a big goal of mine. So I apologize for that, but hopefully we'll get better about it. Um, and you can email us at wizardsidespodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com and search Wizards Podcast. You can check out the different tiers and the different benefits we have on there. Great. As always, thank you so much for listening. And remember, just do your best, we'll do the rest. And learn until our brains all rot. Mm-hmm.